Life from the Well is sponsored by Scratch Distillery. Located in Edmonds, Washington, Scratch Distillery crafts delicious spirits from scratch. Every batch is made by hand from local non-GMO organic grains. Head on over to Edmonds and taste the natural, delicious flavors for yourself. If you have an itch for a cocktail, go scratch it. Hi guys, and welcome to Life from the Well. My name's Joey, and I'll be your bartender and host. This is the podcast that brings you behind-the-scenes service industry stories and in-depth cocktail profiles. Thank you for joining us, and enjoy the show. This episode from Life from the Well is served handcrafted by Barfly Mixology Gear, a line of essential tools for mixologists. Life from the Well. So joining us today is actually um, the guy who taught me how to bartend. My, my bartending mentor, I'm really excited to get this guy on this show finally, um, Chef Michael Buholz. He's a, he's a man of many talents, and uh, it's, it's, it's an honor to have you on, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Cheers. We? we do our Cheers. opening shot here. All right. Oh. Mmm. Mm. Ooh, that's good bourbon. Yeah, Basil Hayden's. Oh man. Yeah. Hey, you picked a good one. I just had some some rum because nice. next to me because I've got a bag full of uh, Modak ingredients over here. Oh, <laughs> fantastic! The Modak. We'll get to that in a little bit, but that's our cocktail of the day, as um, you guys will see. Um, cool, man. So, welcome to the show. Um, and I always like to start up top with our, our guest resume. Um, oh, all right. Yeah, so, so we go in the Wayback Machine to, uh, to kind of what got you into the service industry, um, how you started, and, and some of the roles you've played along the way and, and, and what have been your favorites and that kind of stuff. But, all right. Well, I think I'm pretty much the classic case of the guy who got a job bussing tables and you know, eventually, you know, at 14 or 15, actually, I think my first job in a restaurant was when I was 12. I was a busser at a pancake house and I still get just nauseous. Anytime I smell maple syrup and bleach together, uh, it scarred me for life, dude. It's not but, a good yeah, I was just that guy, you know, and you work your way up, man. I started doing busing tables and then eventually was a dishwasher. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm that classic case of, you know, a guy in his twenties managing a restaurant. And next thing you know, I'm in my thirties and I own one or two. So, <laughs> It just kind of, you know, I spent six years on a submarine in the Navy. And other than that, I've been working in, in the hospitality industry since I was 12. Yeah, pretty much, you know, almost every role I've been. I started, you know, bussing tables and washing dishes and eventually went through and went up the management chain and was really in the hotel side of things. Um, and I was food and beverage director for a big resort. And uh, then how I got into cooking, funny story. Um, the chef at the resort that I was working at was running with the, the, like the banquet area was different from the restaurant. So we were doing this big wedding and he was running back and forth and he was running across the parking lot because he forgot something. And this old Woody's pickup pulled into the, to the, to the parking lot and he was checking it out and he went right into a light post, man, just full <laughs> speed, dude, and totally messed himself up. He was like out for like two months. So while we were looking for a new chef, the GM was like, hey, man, you know a lot about the kitchen and everything. You think you could just do the chef job until we can find somebody? And turns out that was my jam. <laughs> I really, from there on, and 
then from there, it kind of, I got into the flair bartending thing for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the acrobatic juggling stuff and blowing fireballs and doing that whole thing. And that was starting to kind of take off for a while. And I, you know, I was going around traveling around, going to contests and stuff. And then it turns out it's kind of like video games where there's a whole new set of youngsters coming up. They can do things you never even thought of. And you don't have a prayer at being at the top of the list anymore. Yeah. So I kind of got out of that and went back to, uh, went back to restaurants and, you know, just picking up my knives and banging out in the kitchen, man. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing, I mean, I still bartend sometimes. The bartenders don't like it when I'm up there because I start getting all fancy and I kind of take away from your little are. <laughs> so Everyone's watching me instead of checking them out. But, you know, it's still fun. I do a little flair in the kitchen. I'm probably the only guy that, you know, does a couple of flips on the wine bottle while he's deglazing something. And, <laughs> you know, did you just throw that over your back? Yes, I did. Yes, yes. It's all part of the... I mean that that's, yeah, so, I mean, that's it was working there too, right? So I mean, it, it it's just it's a smooth it's a smooth fancy uh, transition. It's actually a way to be more efficient. You know, it's yeah. it's faster to throw something from your right hand to your left than it is to transfer it. So, mm -hmm. and it know, looks it, cooler. Yeah, and it looks way cooler, and people are more interested in paying you money for it. So it's kind of cool that way. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's pretty much the goal as a bartender is to get people to give. Well, them, right? yeah, and the the reason the flare thing came around, honestly is because I worked at a nightclub for a while and there were just a couple other bartenders that these girls that were just gorgeous mm -hmm. and I'd be over there trying and I'd have two people in front of me and they'd be down at the end of the bar with just packed yeah you know and I can't compete with that so I was like all right well maybe if I blow fire well <laughs> turns out it worked yeah people hear a whoosh well you yeah, yeah, gotta blow our, these two though right my first night working at this place they <laughs> The girls that were working there, I asked if we pulled tips. And mm -hmm. I mean, you should have seen the reaction I got. Oh, hell no, we're not pulling tips. <laughs> and they had no idea, dude. So I set up my stuff and I started juggling bottles and pouring drink. Next thing you know, we were splitting up the tip jar at the end of the night. And it turned <laughs> out every night after that, we pulled tips. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you're an earner. Well, you you, you, like, you yep, can share. <laughs> Y'all are cute, but let, let the pros in here. <laughs> You know, take care of this line with efficiency as well. Yes, exactly. With a little flair, if you mm -hmm. will. Chef or bartender, what do you think? What do you think was? Oh, I think fun? for a young guy, bartender. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I loved bartending. I loved the interaction. I loved the, uh, the speed that you have to do everything, especially like in a nightclub environment, mm -hmm. you know, where it's just as fast as you can go. I remember there was a night where one of the, Porters put my uh, he put my tequila where my rum was supposed to go, mm. and literally I killed the bottle before I realized that I was pouring the wrong thing. Just because you're on such autopilot and speed, yeah. some people yeah. that night got some horrible drinks, man. <laughs> I've done that. I've made. I've had. I've mixed the. I've had the rum and the gin mixed and made a bunch of gin. Uh, oh yeah, because like it's gin so and automatic. And it's like it's like driving a car. Somebody says Long Island, I'm already grabbed the bottles and going uh, up with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, don't know it. That that was one thing I I, I uh, I've I've had to implement in my bars is is don't touch the well. If you touch the well, put better put the bottle back. Exactly <laughs> back with yeah, the nozzle exactly the right direction. Yeah, because otherwise I'm going to stab I, myself in nope, the hand. That one needs to be at a 45, dude, because I grab it with this hand and I cross over and I pour this way. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have the two pointing together and the two pointing together. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you can four pour if you need to. Exactly. <laughs> Hell well, yeah. 
all the little stuff, man. Mm -hmm. Little stuff points. that only the bartender knows. The fine points of, of running a smooth bar. Yes, the etiquette behind the bar. Mm -hmm. That's really got to be like the mise en place in a bar is almost more intense than on than on the line. I think eh, it depends on where you're at, but yeah, it does. But I totally agree with you. Um, nobody quite realizes at a higher end bar how much work goes into making the cocktails. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't really realize like, oh, well, you just pour rum and coke together. No, man, that's <laughs> not what we're doing. You're making old fashioned. You know, you're. You know, you're, you're, you're twisting it and you're smoking, you're smoking the orange oils out over the whole mm -hmm. top. I mean, to really do it, it's, it's just as complex as being a chef and working with the flavors. Let's pay attention to those details and really. Absolutely. And it's learning how to mesh the flavors together with this pungent alcohol flavor that overwhelms everything. Yeah. You kind of got it. You don't want that to go away, but you've really got to like play on the nuances of the mm -hmm. liquor. You want to compliment you know, there's so many more flavors and alcohol that I like food basically will have one flavor until you do something with it. Mm. One sip of alcohol can have 15 flavors. They hit you at different times, depending. Yeah. Now it's, it's a, I like them both for an older guy. Cooking's better just cause I don't have to interact with so many drunk people. Cause <laughs> that's one thing I'm a great drunk, but I don't like drunks, especially if I'm sober. <laughs> that was the thing I really ran into, you know, as yeah, I got older man. trying to bartend. You know, you'd get these little, you know, your whacked out college kids that would come in and, you know, they, as soon as they start ordering Jaeger bombs, you know, these are going to be your problem guys, you know, yeah, every yeah. time. And you just get tired of it. I got tired of trying to, you know, talk to some guy who's sitting there crying, telling me about his day because he's too drunk. And I also kind of got tired of getting home and high-fiving my wife, but she was leaving for work, going out the door. Yeah. And the bar closes right. at two. You don't get done counting out your tills or clean until 3.30. Mm -hmm. You know, you get something to eat on the way home. Next thing you know, it's almost 5 a.m. when you're getting home, man. And yeah. life becomes kind of this just little bits of daylight with lots of dark and night. Kind of a big party. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's not good for the older guy. Yeah, I get that. I'm almost 40 now. I, I'm, I'm married. I'm feeling the uh, wear and tear. I spent the last five years working at a bar that closes at, at uh, between 10 and 11 o'clock. <laughs> oh, nice. That's the great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a Mexican restaurant with, it was just a tequila bar. Um, nice. So we just served booze with food. And then when food was done, we shut the booze down too. Um, that, that sounds like a good nice. gig. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I did it for five years. I didn't. Right. <laughs> I was really happy with it. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was really, I was, I was pretty stoked about being there until old COVID came to town. Yeah. That was weird, huh? Like overnight. Just yeah. Yeah, we were in uh, we were in Hawaii when when the first case hit Seattle. Um, wow, so our, our retirement our, home. Yeah, we were like ground zero in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, and so we came home, and I came back to work, and I worked for about a week and a half uh, before uh, everything shut down. Right, it was and just was, gone. And yeah, and it was it was pretty nuts because those last two weekends that I was working um, were actually some of the most enjoyable weekends to go out drinking in Seattle because um it was the only people out in the bars were people that worked in restaurants <laughs> right so it was it was pretty much just like being in seattle like 10 or 15 years ago right with yeah. all the amateurs gone yeah before yeah. before all the the tech bros came to town the crazy and, came yeah 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 so it was it was um for what it was worth it was a it was a great send-off um to the service industry <laughs> in seattle like we all like we all kind of Everybody knew that it was something was wrong, but we just tried to enjoy uh, 
the little time we had. Yeah, it was, it was nice. <laughs> Completely agree. It's uh, it, it was it, it just hit really hard, especially from the ownership standpoint. You know, we were going mm -hmm. through, and every single day was like some new big development. You know, and yeah. you know, we kind of saw on the horizon that the, you know that they were going to shut us all down. Mm -hmm. Um, but nobody really believed it was going to happen. And nobody certainly believed we'd still be dealing with this at the end of the summer. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it took a while for everybody to kind of absorb what was really happening. And I know I was supposed to, I was supposed to fly to Colorado um, on March 16th. And I mean, I had, you know, we had the hotel booked and everything. I was going to go uh, help my buddy open up this barbecue place we were doing. And that night I got the phone call about 10 o'clock from my business partner that they, the governor shut down restaurants and bars in, in Washington. And so here I am, I, you know, I've got to go shut my restaurant down. I've never really done that. I have no idea what that even looks like, you know, right. 15,000 bucks worth of product sitting there waiting for a busy weekend, you know? And mm -hmm. so I, I had to cancel my trip. The guy had to open up the restaurant in Colorado on his own and, you know, just the amount of food that we had to take to the dumpster was, it was just amazing. And I mean, what do you do with it? We can't store it, you know, everything in the walk-in is mm -hmm. going to be gone, you know, and it's, you know, the food banks were already saying, no, don't bring us anything else. We've got too much. So, you know, I gathered up anything that would stay and, you know, kind of put Facebook posts out. Hey, anybody need anything? I, you know, I was sitting on 500 pounds of potatoes, you know, it, and it was just weird. The whole world turned into a ghost town, you know, just really strange. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm probably the only guy that really enjoyed being in quarantine. I thought that was rad. <laughs> I know well, I never get to, you know, as much junk as I've got going on. I never really get to spend any good time at home. You know, I eat more meals with my family in the first month of quarantine than I probably had in the last 10 years. Just because, yeah. you know, yeah. you know how this industry is. We, we work when everyone else is off. You mm -hmm. know, we work hours that no one else does. So, you're, you know, if you have normal people in your life, you never see them. Right. You know, and it's a good thing for me now most of my family my daughter and my son both work at my restaurants right we're up at the brewery so i mean we're all kind of on the same schedule except my wife so we see each other but you got to get her at the work at the restaurant too yeah well she you know she's she's the steady government worker man she's like a gs whatever it is and has her she's been working from home since february so hmm. you know she was the she was what kept us all not worried <laughs> she's still working until everybody yeah. coming in yeah, you know, I've got I've got one of those. My, fortunately, right. my, my wife was able to work from home um, th through all of this, and her hours were cut a little bit, but then um, went back up after after a short time. And so, fortunately, nice. I mean, she well, works you know from home like, anyways. Yeah, at least we have some income coming in. You know, at least yeah. there's something. Yeah, you know? there's some sort of foundation where it's not completely ripped out from under you. <laughs> yeah, because you know when you when you've got your entire life tied up in restaurants and bars and all of a sudden they're closed. It, things mm -hmm. have kind of a bleak outlook, you know, when you're sitting yeah. there thinking about the future. You go, know, well, this is gonna suck. Yeah, Do I like to go back to school? Maybe I should have <laughs> studied hard. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I think um, that this is gonna really show who wants to work in this industry. Because um, that's definitely, uh, a lot of people are, are fleeing and going other places. And, and Absolutely. Uh, just because I mean, there's so much uncertainty around it right now, anyways. But I mean, I I, I think early on I took a coding class just because I was like, well, what's going to happen? Right. <laughs> um, you know, just to try to expand that skill base, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, my 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 main focus, I think, lately is just trying to 
figure out what it's going to look like. And so I went jump back into two restaurants instead of it's like right. I saw I saw the the government bonus check running out and I was like, all right, right it's time to go back to work. Yeah, I got to figure something out. This, yeah. Yeah. But I, so I've gone back to work and like I was I think I said on last week's episode or whatever just came out today, maybe um, that I, I'm not even making a quarter of what I was before. <laughs> and it's it's right. just and you're working these weird hours and, you know, we have to be closed by. Um, closed yeah, by you can't serve I booze everybody after 10 p.m. Yeah. But everybody's closing at like eight o'clock. Um, you know, it's, it, there's, there's, I don't know. It, it's all weird right now for sure. It is. And it's really hard to forecast. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I've really noticed, you know, your, your busy hours that you had before, they're absolutely no rhyme or reason to it anymore. Yeah. There is no dinner rush. There is no die off. There is no lull time. Mm -hmm. They can happen at any given moment throughout the day. Yeah. And that's, it really makes it hard at that end point to, to do your meets, to do, to prep for anything. You know? Are you guys doing a lot of to-go food too? A lot more than we ever did before. And yeah. being as we're a second floor restaurant, it's just a nightmare, but you know, <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah. Curbside. We've, I mean, it takes basically what we found in this is it takes about three times the staff to do the same amount of money. Mm. You know, because we can no longer have, I mean, you know how restaurants work, you know, bars work the same way. Everybody, it's a big team. Mm -hmm. You know, one person swings by the table and pre-busses it. If you see somebody that needs water, you fill the waters. It doesn't matter who you are. Well, in this world, only one person can have intimate contact with the table. Right. So right. where the server could have the expediter run the food and somebody else swing by and fill waters and one server could handle a section of seven or eight tables. Now they can take maybe three or four. Hmm. And not only that, but then the support staff, it takes so many more people to do to go orders and curbside. You know, you've got to have people standing by just to answer the phones. Right. And right. It's, it, it's tough, man. Like I know when I calculated out and this was a while back and it's probably worse. I think we, we figured out 80% of our household income went away hmm. when, when this went down, man. you know, and having, four places that you own closed for two and a half months, you know, and you're still paying your bills because you don't want to all of a sudden open back up and have everybody with their hand out. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so you're still paying your rent, you're still paying sewer, you're still paying garbage, you're still paying your insurance, you're still doing all these things. And it's just this suck of money going mm -hmm. and nothing even in forecasted coming back in. And unfortunately, as a business owner, I did not qualify for any type of government assistance. <laughs> So, like like most small business owners right you know i you know and then there's oh well if you're self-employed you go well of course i didn't qualify I, I made too much money on paper so it, you know whether i got it or not is beside the point right yeah. it was tough man covid's made it tough and it makes uh it makes wanting to grow really scary um <laughs> where before you know i was all about growth yeah there's an opportunity let's take it man let's mm -hmm. you know swing for the fences on everything and now boy, I'm reluctant to, I'm reluctant to buy a new stapler for my restaurant. You know, it's like, well, do we really need to spend that 10 bucks right now? Right. <laughs> and it's uh, it's a scary world. Yeah. Well, it's forcing us to be more calculated and, and God, just adapt and try to find a new way to move forward. Absolutely. Weird, weird ass time. Right. But whiskey makes everything better. That's true. Oh. Sorry, I'm not used to day drinking, man. I'm getting a little. <laughs> that's right. That's uh that's the, that's the COVID regular now, the COVID. Yeah, I mean, well, during quarantine, it's weird, man, because I would, you know, everybody else was like, either I'm going to come out a professional chef after this or an alcoholic. Well, I was already pretty much both. So, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I, I just into my, my skills. 
yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. But, you know, you start noticing, you know, it was, oh, well, let's have a few drinks once it gets dark. And then, you know, by the end of quarantine, it's like, dude, it's like 3.30. I think we ought to crack one here. You, yeah. You, you're done with 3.30. All right. <laughs> I was, I, it was still in the a.m. when I was starting a few, a few of those times. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't quite get there. I think if we'd gone another month, maybe, but. Yeah, it was early on too, then, and I gotta say that uh, that that first because so Tom Douglas closed his restaurants a week before the rest of the city before the mandatory, yeah, yeah, and so there was a real emotional week there where we were just kind of like like kind of bummed out, but then trying to figure out if I was gonna go on unemployment or just trying to find another job real quick, right? And then everything else shut down. And yeah, then, so there was no there was no place to find work. Yeah, it was like a double rug pulled out from under you. You know, you're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> now that uh, I'm down, please kick me harder. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, I feel like those first couple of weeks were we were just kind of uh, they were pretty dark. I'm I'm gonna have to just I I, I think those first couple of weeks I was actually in a little bit of shock, so it mm -hmm. didn't it hadn't really sunk in. I think the very first time it sunk in was when I didn't get my first paycheck. <laughs> yeah and then it became oh wow you know this is this is real here and yeah. uh i'm not sure how long i you know then you start you know thinking okay where can we get some money if we need it you know can we refi the house can i sell mm -hmm. you know well i'm not selling my car can we sell the kid's car you know <laughs> yeah. what, what can we do yeah. they can ride bikes yeah he's uh, he's fine he's young he can yeah. run yeah. Not good. <laughs> cool well let's let's uh Let's jump into the cocktail. How about that? All right, let's do it. So, so uh, this portion is our cocktail history time. Um, and usually I give the history of the cocktail. Um, right. But since it's your drink, I, I think. Uh, we can is, share it and you could give me your history and I can give you the backstory after that. Sure. My history, I think, started at, in Silverdale at Silver City. I believe it was Silver City. It was on the menu there, I think, wasn't it? I'm not sure if it ever made the menu or not, but it was definitely that kind of underground. Everybody at the bar knew about it. Mm -hmm. So we sold a lot of them. And then I'm not sure if it ever made the right. menu or not. Yeah, it was there. And then, so I, I know Modak stands for Mike's One Drink Ass Kicker. Yep. Or I've also heard Mike's Orange Drink Ass Kicker. Well, it kind of started out as... Uh, to be honest, um, the very first time I ever came up with it, we had it, you know, we liked it behind the bar. We're tasting it. And we walked mm -hmm. over, we gave it to one of the customers and he was like, well, it's really good, but you know what it tastes like? It tastes like that McDonald's orange drink that they used to give the boy scouts all the time. Yeah. And so for, it's actually started out as McDonald's orange drink ass kicker, McDonald's. but then that didn't really work out because the McDonald's thing. And, you know, I yeah. came up with it and I didn't really want everyone. To, so I, you know, I just switched it to Michael's one drink ass kicker. Um, and it is that that cocktail tastes like you know absolute just angel water, but it has more alcohol in it than a Long Island iced tea, and it's yeah. so smooth and it's so refreshing that you forget you're drinking serious booze. <laughs> and uh, that's why I came up with a one drink ass kicker because people mm -hmm. drink one. I I remember the nightclub I was selling them, and this guy comes up to me and he's like, "Give me a." Modak, and I gave it to him, and he takes a few sips, and he comes back and goes, I don't think there's any alcohol in here, man. And I was like, dude, go drink it and come back, and if you still think there was no alcohol, I'll get you another one. Go, All right. He came back just hammered. <laughs> man, that was the best drink I ever had, man. What was that, a Murdoch? <laughs> a Murdoch? A Murdoch. No, it was a Modak, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, I always love that when they're like, I can't taste the booze in this. You're like, well, I made it. There's booze in it. Just <laughs> You're not supposed to. That was kind of the design of this cocktail. Yeah. Give the booze time to do its job. Yes, it will take care of business. Trust me. It's a pretty quick turnover rate. You know, alcohol. It is. Yeah. But if you got stuff to make a, Mo a Modak has 11 ingredients, man. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that goes into a Modak. Right. And and um, that was fun. So I actually, when I, I uh, backstory for, for our history, yours and mine anyways, uh -huh. for the podcast listeners, is I, I worked um, for Michael three different places, I believe. I think the so. Brewery, yeah. the nightclub, and then the and then at the uh, restaurant, and then at the restaurant. Yeah. Um, and so at the restaurant, the was where I finally started bartending for you, and uh -huh. that's when I finally got the Modak recipe because you don't get the Modak recipe unless you're a bartender. No, no, you have to be. You have to be making me money to get the Modak recipe. <laughs> this is this is the first time ever that the Modak recipe is going public. Yeah, public. and so and. This, um, I mean, and I'm, I, there's a little, there's a little bit of my heart that's going out with this, man. This has been like my top secret. Like people are like make me the best cocktail you can. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bam, there it is. Well, you know, the, the fun thing about it is, is, um, I mean, it's your drink. And so your name's always going to be attached to it. Um, as long as I'm telling the story of it. Um, appreciate that. Hell yeah, man. That's, that's, that's one thing that I, that I try to do on this show in our cocktail history time is I, I find the creator of cocktails and I give them a shout out and I make sure that, that we at least acknowledge the bartenders that made these drinks for us along the way. Um, cause, cause they're the true heroes. <laughs> um, yeah, 11 ingredients. And so yep. from my memory, I went and we got some Captain Morgan. All right. And the ratios is also something. So a lot of people figured out what went in it, but then they couldn't figure out but the ratios. But then they couldn't either. figure out the ratios, right? And the ratios is actually where I'm going to need some help from you. But all right, we'll start here with the Captain Morgan, and then we have some Malibu. Malibu. The yes. old boot. And I haven't bought a bottle of Malibu since I was probably 22. <laughs> I don't think anyone has except to make Modak. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of the bottle. Maybe I'll just make a bunch of Modak. Find some 18-year-old to give it to. I'm just kidding. That would be illegal. Uh, give it. They don't, I'm not selling it. Um, there you go. There you go. Some rum. Yep. White rum. Um, let's see. So there's three kinds of rum essentially. You got cat, a spiced rum, coconut right. rum, liquor, and then uh, and then the the white rum, and then we got some vodka. Yep. Midori. Yep. Yep. Mellow liqueur. If you're going cheap in your bar, I always use you know. So I uh, I have some Midori left over from when Scotty Diaz was on. Uh, oh, right on. Uh, amaretto. Yes, very right. important. But the amount is very important on that too. It's like a quarter of everything else, right? Yep. It's a little it's, bit it's, of amaretto. It's, it's one part to four parts of the others. Peach. Yes. Peach. I feel like definitely was... peach. And then I got the regular triple sec. Yep. And. Um, to round the liquor out, Chambord. Yep. And to back me up, I've got some creme de cassis just in yeah. case. <laughs> right on. Um, and then our two fruit juices, cranberry and pineapple, correct? Yep. And then that's it, with the exception juice. of just a little spritzer, a seven up or right on the top of it, just to give it a little bit of sparkle. Oh. You use soda water usually. Yeah, you can. It's probably better that way. That. Just because I, yeah. But seven up or sprite. I was like, I, just, I have soda water. I'm probably going to make it with soda water when I do it. <clears throat> um, so I, I, I also remember that this is something that 
So this is these are a lot of ingredients. Um, as yeah, I, if you were try to if you were to try to mix this cocktail up like a one for you'd mm -hmm. get buried in a yeah, minute. You don't want to you don't want to try to make one of these. No, it's kind of like Bloody Mary, dude. You don't want to make one drink. You want to make a batch and then yeah. sell it. You get an empty bottle. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you fill this empty bottle up and then you pour out, you know, what, five ounces yep. at a time? Yep. You put about four. We, we would just fill the bottom of a cooler glass with ice and then mm -hmm. top it with the juices. And the only juice that we actually put in it was the cranberry and everything else was a topper. But that was just for speed at the bar. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, going to be a good dinner service i can tell <laughs> um so what are the what were the ratios for so let's say 750 milliliter bottle right yes oh I, I used to do it in a liter bottle in a um, one liter? so i don't yeah in a one liter so basically okay. it the was, one liter ratio and i used to mix it up it was four parts of your big liquor mm -hmm. so the captain the malibu the rum and the vodka and then your fruits were a three-part, and then it was a one-part amaretto. Is the easiest way to try to remember it. You know, your hard liquors are a four, your fruities four, are a three, four. and then your amaretto is a one. And then you just kind of guesstimate on the fruit juice, depending on your, you know, how wicked you want them to be. Okay. And a, a variation of this is to take the rum um the white rum and the vodka out of it and replace it with 151 and pour it at shooters which mm. i've seen people do at nightclubs before yeah so that might that'd be too wicked of a shooter for me i you know if i'm gonna drink like that i just want whiskey but <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. shooting 151 oh and it, it's a little too tough man it, it's not it's, yeah, you're firing for way too much effect and no enjoyment at that point. So. Yeah, just take two shots of bourbon. You'll be all right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or just, yeah, just take a double of bourbon instead of one shot of 150. Yeah, and secret, the action, and this, this is probably something you've never heard before, that mm. um, the Modak was actually, how I came up with it was I was trying to make the 1900 FMU into some kind of a cooler drink, and that's <laughs> where it came from. Okay. Yeah. So it's if you look if you look at a standard recipe for a one nine hundred FMU, it's gonna be you're gonna see a lot of similarities to Modak. God, one that's fun because that's not a drink. I don't think. I think I might have made it when I was like twenty two. Oh yeah, when you're like nineteen at a bar in a parking lot someplace, and you're trying to you know everyone's trying to get shit house, but you don't want to taste the liquor. That's the one nine hundred FMU, man. Nice. That was my inspiration. <laughs> I like it. One nine hundred fucked me up. <laughs> now the whole world knows. <laughs> We're onto your secrets, Mike. Yeah, oh, it's, cool, it's cool to see the process and to see, uh, you know, to see how how people create things. I that's it's always fascinating to me to see where things come from, and and uh, I mean, so many cocktails are every cocktail is a variation of another cocktail. For the right, part, you, you know. know, when you're learning how to bartend, you finally realize that there's only four basic cocktails. <laughs> Everything else is just a variation off of them. Exactly. Which is people are like, how do you know so many drinks? Because mm -hmm. they're all basically the same. Hey, just change one there, thing. There's little nuances and differences in all of them. Yeah. Yep. So the Modak, should I make it right now? We can. Make I think it. you should. I think right. you should. Why not? All right. I mean, Let's see. You know, we're approaching five o'clock. Four parts. Let's see. 
and I'm not sure if all that's going to fit in your 750. It will. Because I'm right. doing parts. I'm not doing ounces. Right. And I got hash marks on here, so I can go. Nice. I can so just fill just up to my line. Yeah, this is from uh, Hanger Vodka. Hanger Vodka has some of the coolest bottles. Uh, right on. The cork is even neat because it's like this like rubber I've stopper. I've tasted Hanger Vodka, but I've never had the bottle. I've never seen the bottle. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, the these are the ones that I save, and then I put all my home infusions in them because they, nice. they look like... Uh, the home like elixirs. Scientists. Exactly. Cool. All right. So four, four, three, 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 one. Yeah, and the actually, what's kind of funny, the very first restaurant I worked in where I made this was a place called Georgie's Beachside Grill in Newport, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, that was where the I kind of the first crap, Yeah, that's kind of where I got into the flare thing to a little bit. And to this day, that cocktail is still on their cocktail menu. <laughs> Even awesome. though I haven't worked there in 17 years. <laughs> that always that just makes me happy. I visited there not a while back and saw it on there. I was like, wow, I wonder if anyone knows what that stands for. <laughs> that's awesome i have a drink one of my drinks is still I, I made a manhattan with with i did a duck wash a duck fat wash on the bourbon Ooh. instead of bacon you know whenever yeah. they're doing all those and so i think that cocktail is still at, uh, oh yeah dude. Duck a, it's a smoke the smoke duck manhattan is what we called it and that's still on the on the menu at trellis out in kirkland at least it was for a couple of years after for a while that's awesome that sounds yeah. fantastic I used uh, duck fat not long ago. I did a, I made some like, well, they were kind of a knockoff of uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, but mm -hmm. I did them in duck fat and called them duck nuts. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, it worked really well, actually. That sounds good. Yeah. Duck nuts. That sounds, that sounds amazing. They were pretty awesome. I'll tell you what, though. They were an instant nap, though. I'd eat that. Yeah, they were a definite instant nap. You know, all that sugar with the duck fat in it, you were just buried. Right. So what's your um, – Michael's also the guy that taught me my, my pour count. I should mention this. Ah, yes. Um, so what is, your, what is your standard pour count for uh, – for, uh, I guess it's, it's an ounce and a half is, a, is a basically a standard uh, ounce and, Well, you can do ounce and a half, ounce and a quarter. The key is to get yourself to the point where you can count the quarter ounces. Um, my personal count, I say the word one bubble, two bubble, three bubble, four bubble, five bubble in my head, and that would be an oh, ounce and a quarter. And when you do the bubble, you absolutely have to do the aggressive cut. You can't be all wimpy and kind of let it dribble out because yeah, you put too much booze in it. You got to <laughs> But yeah, I, uh, that was my deal. I used to poor test my bartenders. You know, yeah, they, I remember that. Was that. The first, it was the first thing I'd do for an interview. They'd come in all bubbly, and hi, I'm here. And I'm like, okay, pour me one ounce here, an ounce and a half there, and two ounces there. <laughs> and it's amazing how many of them just completely bricked it. You know, I mean, I, not even close. I want to I wanna take this moment to acknowledge you real quick, because I was working in a bar um, at a hotel. Actually, when I was working at the hotel, I met my wife at the, in, down in SeaTac. Um, we had a fancy little bar there with a fancy chef and, and this nice little place. And, and we had the pour stops or the, ounce, the, the, the measured pour spouts that just Spill pour stop an ounce. 285.50s? Hmm? Spill stop 285.50s? Yeah, with the two ball bearings in them. Oh, no, I hate those. Those are, those, oh, those are the measuring spouts. Mm -hmm. that measure yeah, so. It while you're, that it constantly clog up. Yeah. 
yeah, so we had those in this in this nice hotel bar, and um, I came in and I started putting these on every pour bo- on every bottle. Yes, but the that would be the spill stop two eighty five fifty. This is the standard, my friend. Yes. Um, yeah, and so I came in and I, I put these on, and my boss came up to me and he said, "Hey, I want those other ones on there." And I said, "Those other ones are an insult to bartender." Way to go, new guy. Well, he said, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, you either think I don't know how to pour, or you think I'm going to cheat you." I was like, "And what?" And I was like, "And and in that case, why am I working for you?" And and neither of those is the case. So yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, it makes me look like an amateur, um, right? Especially in front of our our guests that you want to be <laughs> high end, uh, and and uh, you know, so you're either going to trust me or or. I guess you're just going to find another bartender. I, I didn't, I wasn't like that aggressive, but, right, I, but I told him. And so he was like, well, okay, show me how accurate you are. And so oh, I did. I, I pulled out all my shit. I pulled out, I had like six shakers, four shakers, I think. And I just turned them all upside down or open. Yeah. And I poured two ounce, ounce and a half ounce and like a half ounce. And then right. I pulled them out and I measured them all right in front of him. And every single one was on the line. Dead on. And he right. goes, okay, man, your call. <laughs> you got it. And I was like, thank you, Michael. It's like, hell yeah. You ground that into my head. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely. That was such a great moment in bartending for me, too, where I could just be, like, able to show off that skill. Because the bosses love an accurate bartender. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and your customers like an accurate bartender, too. Yep. Be, honestly. Um, well, because it means you know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And, you're you not know, we all know. Either. We all know the little cheats, you know, in the nightclub, you know, when mm-hmm. the guy would walk up and be like, oh, dude, you got to hook me up. Yeah. So all I do is fan the air hole over the pour spout with my thumb while I was pouring it. And I count yeah. to like 12. Yeah. But <laughs> but when you're like, oh, covering good, up good. the spout, dude, you're, you're, you're cutting the flow rate by like 30, 40%, dude. So he, mm-hmm. he actually got less booze than the guy before him. <laughs> but they think you were really hooking him up, you know. And then there, there's, you know, the, the last little drop goes down the straw. I used to pull that one all the time. So everyone's first sip. Oh, yeah. yeah, Here you go, buddy. (laughs) Oh, all these little secrets that I used to. Mm -hmm. Well, you're also the one I think that taught me that like hooking someone up at the bar isn't always giving them something free. Sometimes it's just sometimes it's just serving them first. Right. Absolutely. And you always serve the big tippers first. That just kind of happens. You know, I I mean, you you end up in front of them quicker than everyone else for some reason. Were, Were you at the. Were you working for me at the place where we had the tip bells? No, that was, um, I was the door guy there. And, oh, okay. Um, at the, that was the club down in Bremerton. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that was the place. That was pretty cool because we had the, you know, the bells by each well. And what you do is anytime that somebody gave you a really high tip, you go over, you ring the bell and you point the guy out. And mm-hmm. everybody, there you go, it's looking good. That's before the juices here. Yep, that's looking yeah. good. So then probably just, but how much juice would you say? I would go, I'd go probably 50, 50 on each of those with the juices. Just to top it? Yep. Okay. So that's like up to the three. And you should, it should kind of have an aroma of like almondy raspberry. You got that right now? All right. That's where we should It's a little uh, fruit snacky. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right, cranberry. Yeah, but the, the tip bells were awesome because you point the guy out. Well, people would walk up and they'd see, they'd keep tipping you more and more to see how much they had to tip you before you'd ring the bell for them. 
And then every once in a while, you get in a competition between the two wells and people mm -hmm. be hooking you up trying to get you to win. And we make so much money doing that. So oh. you can ring the bell first. Yep. Or the most, I guess. Yep. See who could get the bell rung the most. And I'll tell you what, that was a great way to make cash. Hell yeah. I never worked with the tip bell. That's one of those things I think they kind of phased out. Of yeah, bars, you don't see, like, you don't see them anymore. Well, the only, the only place places. you see a bell now is at Trader Joe's. Yeah, a lot of people would ring a bell and everyone would think it meant there was a shot on the house. And that's not yeah. what it meant at all. No. That's no, no. No, no. Here we go. Look at that. That is looking modakish. So probably up to about, about there. there. You don't want to go too much more than that or you're going to wind up on the couch in an hour. <laughs> yeah. My wife will love that. Yeah, my wife's never been a fan when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers to Modak. Hell yeah. This is exciting. People are going to be so stoked. Here it is. Did we get it? Holy shit. I think we got it. Oh, my God. That tastes like summer in Paulsbo. Right? Oh, my God. Mm. And the problem is they go down so oh, it's so smooth. fucking smooth. Yeah, it's so dangerous. Like it's nothing. It's so dangerous. Next thing you know, you're waking up with the hood of your car naked again. I mean, wait. I got a bottle of Modak. Oh, man. I'm going to be the envy of all the kids in the neighborhood. Yes, you are. <laughs> That's good, man. I haven't had one of these in probably shit since I worked out there. So. Oh, 15 years maybe? 17? How long has it been? Don't say that. No, I've, I'm serious. This is I've been about that, though, because, yeah, I was, I was... This is this is my 15th summer working at this restaurant, so it's mm -hmm. been about 15 years. Yeah, I moved to Seattle when I was 25, and I'm 39 now, so it was, it wow. was, it was probably 15 years ago. <laughs> right? How is that even possible? I don't even know. I've, I've known you for, like, 20 years, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good friends. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Way back in the day. Oh, man. Good times. That's really good. good times. Well, Modak makes everything better too. I know. I, I kind of want a cigar and just sit out on the patio and have that, and right. again, like a glass of whiskey, and like have like the three, like, like a little ashtray, whiskey, Modak, sunshine, the like sun going view. down. Yes, perfect. Mm -hmm. Just work perfect. the shift. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have just to work. sip a little more bourbon watching you drink that Modak, man. <laughs> just worked a shift at Viking Fest and got our asses handed to us. You know. So oh. Yeah, Viking Fest, man. This was the easiest Viking Fest I've ever had. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> we didn't have it. It was, I was nothing. Uh, Kelly's got the cigars. Oh, there you go. I got to lace that with weed now. We'll there you go. Then I'm making a really good time. <laughs> the Washington <laughs> special. Hell yeah. Benefits of the, the Modak. It's going to hit you here quick, too. You're going to be all of a sudden, wow, that's got a lot more booze in it than I remember. Yeah. Yeah, my face is already getting a little red. I should probably watch myself. So after the cocktail, I always like to jump into um, personal experiences working in the service industry, specifically behind the bar. But, I mean, if you have any fun stories around anything else, um, oh. throw them out there. But, um, yeah, just just uh, a lot through the years, you know, some of the favorite regulars – Gross experiences. Um, oh, what, you know, my my very favorite regular was a guy that used to come into the bar in Newport, an ancient guy. Mm -hmm. And he was actually one of the last survivors from that ship that got torpedoed, the Indianapolis. 
he was actually on it when it got torpedoed. The one that delivered the bomb in World War II. Mm-hmm. And he, boy, he was a kick to sit and talk to. I bet. You know, he'd tell you stories about the whole thing. You know, you could tell he he was over the PTSD part of it, but mm-hmm. it was just amazing. You'd sit and he'd just sit there and he'd, he'd drink Kahlua and I think Kahlua cream. And every once in a while, they'd have you put a little vodka in it if he was really getting crazy. And he'd just sit there and talk to you all day. But he was, yeah, he always wore his Indianapolis hat. Well, he was a great guy. That was a fun guy to talk to, man. What was his uh, name? Oh, you know, if you hadn't just, I, I think it was, I only. I like that you knew, you know what, even if you don't know his name, the fact that you knew his drink is more impressive. Oh, man. Well, you'd know people's drinks before you'd know their name. You know how that is. Absolutely. That's, 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 that's their, that's that's their how identifying feature. That's an, oh, no, that's the strawberry lemonade gal. You mm-hmm. know? Here comes oh. a Whiskey 7. Yep. Here's Whiskey 7 coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, he was one of the, he was one of the coolest guys. I mean, we had all kinds of crazy stuff happen at that bar, man. We had, we had a shipwreck, like literally wreck on the beach in front of our <laughs> restaurant. And, you know, then we had a car fire in the parking lot and it was a V, it was like a VW bus. So like the engine block was magnesium and caught on fire and burned through, the, burned through the asphalt into the ground. Uh-huh. That was crazy. We had to evacuate the restaurant in the middle of like, because there's a river of gasoline running toward the front door and it's on fire. <laughs> we had to evacuate it like peak of dinner service on a Saturday night in the summer. That was absolutely insane. I mean, who, we've had the sewer, I've had the sewer back up through the floor in a nightclub before. I mean, it, just the crazy stuff you see. Mm-hmm. I worked in a nightclub one time that was pretty bad. We used to have a collection of bullets that we found on the, on the floor after clothes. And, and it wasn't just like one or two. It was like a little, like a glass full of them. You'd be like, okay, uh-huh. you got to think uh-huh. about how many people are not only have a gun in here, but are taking it out and playing around with it to the point that they drop bullets on the ground. Yeah, on I, a regular like, basis. Yeah, on a regular basis. This probably isn't cool, man. I might want to look for a job in a better part of town. Was that Bremerton? I think that was West Bremerton. Okay. I'm not positive. But yeah, West Detroit. <laughs> but it, I don't know. I've, I've seen some crazy stuff, man. We had, uh, oh, we had lightning strike the restaurant here on the deck, right in the middle of service. Huge bolt of lightning, everything. It was so loud that I, I thought the building was going, man. I thought something blew up and it, it freaked everybody out. There was, it was just insane. Yeah. There was like a burn mark out there where it hit. You'll have to mark on the deck? Oh, That's yeah. Cool. We had to replace the there? deck boards. No, we had to replace it, but it was just. Oh, man, you should have, like, just put a fence around it and then, like, come see the lightning strike. would have been cool to see where we almost died. <laughs> yeah. We... Yeah, it was. <coughs> I don't know. I've had a ton of adventures in this industry, man. I've had people try to bring tigers into the restaurant before. A, a tiger. Like a, mm-hmm. a real tiger. Was that down in Vegas? No, that was here. That was in oh, Paul's boat, dude. Somebody tried to bring a tiger into the restaurant. What the hell? Like, well, I don't think I can allow that, man. But I wasn't—I didn't really want to argue with the guy that's got a tiger. So I right. think we ended up letting the tiger sit on the back steps or something. But it, Holy shit! I, it just and it was just chill. It was just hanging out. Yeah, just uh, you had a collar on, looked like a big cat, dude. Just huh. a freaking tiger, man. Too exotic. Um, I had yeah, crazy things happen. I. I don't know. I remember working in hotels. I got called up to light. We had to light somebody's fireplace. And I was like, you know, when you're the bartender, you're the last guy there that can like run and do stuff. So they always call you to go do things at night. 
mm-hmm. and I went up to light these people's fireplace, man, and they were filming a porn in the mo- in the room. <laughs> it was just like I. This is the most uncomfortable I think I've ever been. I. <laughs> That was crazy. And then they had to call me up. They wanted me to light it again later. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that one. Dude. <laughs> find someone else. Yeah, to be find, find the guy that takes out the trash. You know, I'm not going back up there. That was weird. <laughs> you guys can figure out a lot of fire. Yeah. It, Cave, cavemen can do it. You sure can. Right. It was just weird. I don't know. This it's been an adventure, man. This whole hospitality is, is crazy. How about, did we do gross stuff? Yeah, I used to like backed up sewage systems. Oh yeah, that was now. I mean, I've done some of the grossest stuff ever. I'm not sure if you were there or not when I had to take the pint-sized glass. We had to unclog the toilet from a pint glass-sized poop. Then it was it, me and the other manager rock paper scissors for who was going to hold the bag and who was going to go in. Oh no! <laughs> but no, I he and I rock paper scissors, and I literally had to take. I had like five gloves on it, out a bag over my arm. I had to reach down and it wasn't just like you just had to grab this thing and pull it up. dude. I had to like unscrew this thing. Whoever, whoever, somebody has some bad problems, dude. <laughs> I mean, I thought I had some bad problems. Whoever right. left that there has way bigger problems than I had that yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> that actually funny thing that night was one of the reasons I got fired because I had had to go downstairs. Those were the reasons I got fired. Well, well, I had to go downstairs because we had broken part of the toilet. Mm-hmm. So I had to go down and find some tools to fix it, right? Because I'm pretty handy. And it's like a Saturday night or something, you know? So I go downstairs and the only tools that I can find are in like the owner's office. And I just yeah. took the toolbox up, put it on the desk, took a couple things out. But I never go in there. So at the end of the night, it was like four hours later, I forgot to put the toolbox back, right? Mm-hmm. So I come into work the next morning, I have this huge, just crayon written just angry note on my desk that says one either put my tools back or two buy me new tools so i put the tools under my desk and left him a check (laughs) and uh i thought it was quippy and funny and i got my walking papers the next monday morning But you know what? In hindsight, man, I'm so glad that that happened because everything just kind of went good in life after that. So <laughs> that takes us that 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 um, takes me to one of the things I talk about lately is is like anytime there's adversity in our lives, I feel like that's that's always our opportunity to to like make something good out of it, right? Absolutely. Whenever, whenever something shitty happens, that's usually when you're forced to do something and, and respond and be good. Well, I forget who said it and they said it better than me, but you know, someone told me a long time ago that, you know, probably 70 to 80% of whether you're successful or failure at anything is the attitude at which you engage the problem. Mm-hmm. It's, it's if you think you're a successful success or a failure, you know, yeah. now is this a speed bump, you know, or is this something else, you know, mm-hmm. and can I get around it? What can I learn from this mistake? What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? What can I take from this instead of dwelling on it? Exactly. And that's, that's tough to do, especially, you know, when you're, yeah. when your pride got hit. Well, yeah, it's humbling. You know? right? Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's tough. Well, but when you realize that your ego is the, is only going to keep you from getting things, then, then it's, well, yeah, and that's, that's something that has taken me years to learn in this industry is that, mm-hmm. you know, how, how people see you in any situation is 100% based off of your attitude. 
and how you see them is 100% based off of your own ego. Yeah. So (laughs) that you can put yourself in check, remembering that really fast. And I've, Mm -hmm. I've done that. And I think because of that, it's made me a much better person in this industry in the hospitality business. I try to put, well, I don't like that. Why? Because it's your own ego that makes you not like that guy. You need to chill, Michael. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what about you doesn't make you like that person? <laughs> right. Why is this? Yeah. <laughs> this? This is my opinion. Not everyone else's. So what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And then if you're holding that hard to something and it's making you feel that horrible, you know, what's the, what's the benefit of it? Yeah. It's you're, you're the person holding on to it, dude. <laughs> exactly. And when you realize that you have control over all of that, you're the one that ultimately decides if you're happy or not. Mm-hmm. Life starts to change. Yeah. Well, when you realize that happy is a choice and not mm-hmm. a, a situation. Not a result of, of someone right. else's actions. Exactly. I'm unhappy because this, this, and this. No, you're unhappy because you let this, this, and this make you unhappy. Right. Exactly, man. Exactly. It's tough. And, well, and whiskey, well in charge whiskey of always that. helps. Whiskey always helps. Whiskey helps. <laughs> Tequila helps. Modax. Modax help. I'd say Modax help, but I feel like they help for like 30 seconds and then, and then they can actually then be, you forget what you were even upset about. They, they can then, lead to other problems too. They can lead to many apology phone calls the next day. That it can happen. Yeah. I should take a sip. There you are. Uh, Write down it by the end. Don't worry. Let's jump into uh, improve the industry. These are my teachable moments. It's where oh. we... Good so is, is, are there other things about the industry? So like, yeah, when you go out and, and there's things that you would want to change about this or that, or you see trends. Oh, um, well, I honestly think that there's really no way to forecast anything in our industry from here forward until we ride out this COVID thing. Sure. Um, you know, everything that I knew about the hospitality industry six months ago is out to lunch now. <laughs> it really is. I, yeah. Everything I knew for a fact is, is gone. So it's going to be, I think, a relearning process. And I hate, absolutely hate the term, the new normal. Mm. Um, but <laughs> we're going to have to look and see what tomorrow's normal is going to be. Yeah. And that's, I don't want to call it the new normal because normal is normal. But it's going to be tomorrow's normal. And it's, yeah. it's going to be different. Everything is going to look different. Um, and I think it's going to be years before that goes away even with the vaccine and once this is all behind us kind of a thing. I I think there's going to be permanent changes. Um, There's a lot of people that will not make it through this. Um, A lot of smaller places, some of the bigger places just won't. Um, It's it's all about their adaptability, right? You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those big corporate places that are trying, that are putting all of their efforts into going back to the way things were. Right. And you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching chains, you know, smaller, like local chains open up around us mm-hmm. and they're opening up seven days a week from 10 AM to 10 PM. And I'm like, you guys, that's not sustainable. Like no. you're, you, you're not going to be able to afford to pay everybody. Not in this climate. It's to open seven days a week, 10 AM to 10 PM. That's a 12 hour span. So right. How many and, so you need to have does it take to four different crews at least, right? Cause you need yeah. AM PM and then weekends, right? Yep. Unless you're a cook, now you're and then it's the on. same crew the whole time. <laughs> yeah, unless you're burning everyone out, you're, yeah, you're having that's a bunch what... of people on staff that you're not going to be able to pay in about a month because yeah. nobody's going out to eat. Yep. At least, 
people are, but only, you know, in a fraction of the number. only limited amounts. Like I can't tell you how many people all of a sudden became experts at my job when we got quarantined and it would do, <laughs> Oh, you've got to open up for takeout. You know, yeah. I hate to put it into perspective, but dude, even if I did 5,000 bucks a day in takeout, which is not humanly possible, it's not going to mm -hmm. happen. Um, especially on a day after day after day basis, that yeah. is literally 25% of what I used to bring in with double the staff there. It does not pencil out and people mm -hmm. just don't understand this. They think, Oh, if you've got people coming in your door, you're making money. That's not the case. Yeah. It, it's such a weird, very, you know, fractional amount that goes down to profit you know, most restaurants that are doing well are seven to 10%. Mm -hmm. You know, and once you start adding staff members on to do curbside, to answer phones, to do all this stuff, it's just, it's just not feasible. It's not going to work. And I think that a lot of people who opened back up and got their PPP loans and a few grants, and they're like, oh, we're out of quarantine and we're open again. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling you're going to see a whole nother wave of those places close in six months. Absolutely. Because um, they're, they're just not going to be able to sustain it. You know, if yeah. you only have 20 chairs in your dining room and you've got to social distance and go 50%, you can't make enough money to make it worth doing. Mm -hmm. And I think we are going to see a huge reckoning coming out of this in our industry where the people who make it through are going to be the strongest that they've ever been. But yeah. we're going to lose a lot of people. It's kind of like Demolition Man when Taco Bell was the only restaurant left. It was the only <laughs> one that survived the food chain wars. The food chain wars. Yep. I think it's going to kind of be like that. Holy shit, that bro. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's what Bars that made it through. Yeah, <laughs> the bars that make it through are going to be the only ones. The restaurants oh, that make man, it through. I hope Chick-fil-A is involved in that. because I do too, because, you know, what are you going to do without God's chicken, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I know my life won't be the same. Without you know, we didn't too. know about Chick-fil-A back when Demolition Man was made. So I feel like, I feel like um, culture has shifted a little bit. That's what it we're has, but I, I really think that that kind of foretold something. And it's not going to be mm -hmm. that dramatic. There's not going to be one. But I think there's going to be reality in that. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, people who make it through are going to be strong and they're going to last a long time. But there's mm -hmm. going to be an awful lot of people that don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I for think sure, you're going to see a huge shift in career changes from a lot of these people. Um, cause it was easy. You could, if you were a decent bartender or server, you could make a, a fat amount of money working four or five hour shifts, four nights a week. And mm -hmm. what a perfect lifestyle for a lot of people. I mean, hey, man, really, got me to 39, right? <laughs> I mean, it really is a perfect lifestyle for a lot of people, but that's just yeah. gone now. You know, yeah. all of a sudden with the minimum wage hikes and the tip deal and the, yeah, it's, uh, it's like the tips are going away soon, I think. Um, yeah, minimum wage is going to talk. It's going to just keep climbing and tips are yeah. going to go away. And we're going to see just a huge reckoning in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to, like you said, that there's going to be a lot of growing pains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're just entering an unknown. You know, for years, we kind of had an idea based off of what we had learned. And then yeah. everything kind of got shifted away that no one knows now. Nobody can predict, you know, mm -hmm. I can't even predict when we're going to be busy. You know, I'm at the height yeah. of dinner hour and the guys haven't even texted me. They need me, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's weird. We should be banging right now and then we'll get ready to close and we'll get hammered right at close. So right. you never know. Yeah.
Yeah, people are eating at different hours now because like culture is not normal. People aren't going to work anymore. They're working at home. Well, and so I they think, don't have the normal work hours anymore. They're working these yep. like these weird like longer hours probably because they never leave their workplace. Well, and I also think it, it changes um, a, a shift in like you said, just our the times that we do things. Like hmm. if you don't have to get up and spend two hours commuting to work, you sleep two hours later. Well, therefore your whole entire shift, you know, you're eating breakfast two hours later than you used to, lunch two hours later, and dinner two hours later. So yeah. there is no more dinner hour. There's just this sporadic, we could happen at any time kind of yeah. thing. It's, it's, it's dinner evening. Yeah, it's dinner <laughs> evening, not dinner hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that. So, so as far as like, um, what, what would you tell the people in the industry right now to like give them well, any kind of hope? The only thing I'm going to say about any of this at this point is if mm-hmm. this is not your passion, get out now because it's going to get tough. Yeah. Um, if this is your passion, hang in there because it's going to be great in the end. Mm-hmm. But that transition period, if it's not your passion, you don't love it, you don't have the drive to get up and do it every day. If it's just a job, go do something else. man. Yeah. Um, and that's my personal forecast. But then again, I'm just throwing a dart at the board just like anyone else. Sure. Um, and hey, but I, I really foresee our industry shrinking hugely and then growing hugely. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be between those two points. Going to be a lot of years. I think um, if you don't, if you if you don't love the industry, get out. And if you do love the industry, in this time that we have, while you're home and you're not working, or you're working very little, um, and, and invest in yourself and, and in your future in the industry. There, there are certifications you can get, um, online courses you can take with bar smarts, um, with, you can, you can get your Cicerone, your, your beer pouring license. You can start, you can start um, the certification for becoming a sommelier. Um, there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do to make yourself more valuable in the industry, uh, to give yourself more knowledge uh, while you're not working you know you, Absolutely. you can still feed that passion um in the meantime it's just gonna add and something to add to your resume when you're going back to work absolutely i agree a hundred percent i also think that that's kind of a, 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 a kind of a tetanus maybe test for whether you are passionate or not if you mm. have all this time off if you find yourself looking at cocktail books li- that's what i was looking tetanus. for <laughs> sorry man it's how many of these i'm the one drinking modak bro <laughs> but you know when you if if you find yourself and it's just like an interest thing like if Mm -hmm. if i'm sitting in in a doctor's office someplace i'm gonna pick up the food and wine magazine where someone else might pick up a different one just because that happens to be my passion i think it's a good litmus test for that is that right how many books are there about you know cooking bartending absolutely i've been reading cocktail history books since i started this podcast and and it's it's so fun because there's so much of like american history in that too and it's a big part of our culture and you learn so much about you know about why we do things the way we do well not only that i used to spend hours learning little bar tricks just to keep Mm -hmm. people entertained at the bar you know so uh how about do you have any recommendations this is my secrets of the industry. So any, anything that you would, uh, that you would um, tell the young, the young Padawans that are just coming in now, especially with everything going on, you know, what's, what's their, what's, what's their, uh, I, what's the secret secrets, to get at? Man, 
just, you know, if, if you're in this industry, just realize that over a course of, you, you have to love it because realize over a course of time, any friends that you have that aren't in this industry, you're never going to see again. That's, that's just the deal. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that's why we all kind of hang out in groups together because we're mm -hmm. the only people that have Monday and Tuesday off, yeah. <laughs> you know, every week. It's, it's really kind of point. that way. I, if you don't, uh, if you don't, yeah, a lot of your friendships go away. They, or, or they just, they go unnurtured. They, they just, they just go stagnant up. for a while. You still talk to them, but I have friends that just stop inviting me to do stuff. Yeah. You well, know, because because in they, the industry, that's, that's one of those things that I think a lot of people don't tell you is you're going to miss every holiday and family gathering. You will not see your mom on Mother's Day because no, you'll see her the day after Mother's you are Day. at 9 a.m. and you're not leaving until we close the doors at 10 at night. You know? Not unless you've worked at a place for like 10 years and then you get that seniority and you say, I'm not working Mother's Day this yeah, year. Yeah, but turns out I'm pretty senior and I'm still here all the damn time. Well, man. see, that's you, that's the problem is it, you, you need seniority as a, as a bartender, not seniority as a manager. Managers yeah, always true. have to work every shift. Bartenders work there. the shifts they want to work. You know, it, it's a thing. If you love this, then do it. And if you don't, this is a stupid thing to do. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Unless you unless you get fulfillment in making people happy and, and feeding people. Then. Oh, and that's part of the love for it. You know, you, mm -hmm. there's, you know, this is one job. My wife is completely jealous of me because she only likes about 20% of her job. <laughs> I like about 80% of mine. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I always have whether it there's, there, there's just so much fulfillment in 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 the in in the aspect of of feeding people and serving people. Right? Absolutely, I mean, you're you're providing a, mm -hmm. an essential need with flair. Yeah, you know, and it, like people had, they have to eat, they have to consume. Yeah. And you're creating memories, and you're turning people's days around. You know, oh, you got a absolutely. guy coming in your bar that's frowning, and he leaves with a smile. You know, and you know that that's because you know you you found a way to bring that on his face you know absolutely that's uh you know, and that, that, those things are the things that keep always kept me going anyways like i know one thing kept me going for a year is you know you send food out and the way our kitchen's set up you can kind of see a couple of the tables from the kitchen mm -hmm. and i've been i was really proud of these few dishes i put out and then you know, i see a watch the server drop it on the table and then all of a sudden there was one of these man they're just kind of looking at it and i'm like oh god what you know, and then next thing you know, here come out the big cameras and they were all started taking pictures of the stuff. I live off that for the next six years, man. Right. That's that was so just, just incredible. There's something about providing people just with a basic fundamental thing, food, water, eating. Mm. Um, that's hugely, hugely rewarding, I guess. Well, it gives, it gives you a purpose. Yeah. You wake yeah. up knowing that people are relying on you for their food today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right? and not just food, but better than they can make. You know? Yeah. And that's better than they I, can make. They're, and they're relying on you for social interaction. And absolutely. For, you know, may, maybe, maybe they're even relying on you for an, an uplift because they're having a little bit of a hard day, but, but well, we have that, free. we have that here, you know? Yeah. We're part of creating an experience for people. And yeah. I think that's what every restaurant needs to really wrap their head around is they're not just providing people food. You can get food anywhere. Mm -hmm. You're not just providing people dr fancy drinks or you're actually provi you're providing them an experience and you're making them feel a certain way while you're, while they're there. I think at the loft, we make people feel cooler than they generally are when they come here. So they come oh, here because yeah. it makes them feel cool. Hell yeah. Um, awesome. And I also, I don't know. I just, I really love doing what I do. You know, I, 
one of the biggest rushes I ever got was when I Googled Halibut Oscar and three, you know, how it puts up pictures like the top five on the internet. Mm -hmm. Three of them were mine. Nice. Now, since now it's only one, I'm down to one. I've lost my touch. But for a while, that's just, you know, coming for you. Hey, man, I made that. That's my plate. Hell yeah. That's fucking rad, man. It's accomplishment, you know? It is. It is. Acknowledgement. Uh, all yeah, that affirmation that you might not suck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the stuff, the stuff that gives us, you know, it's not what we're searching for, but it, it definitely helps along the it way. Keep, right? It keeps you going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. With, with, with all of that and everything else in life, what, what do you do to manage the stress for yourself? How do you take care of yourself where you find balance in all of it? You know, that's probably the, the hardest part about the whole thing. Mm. Um, and I am just blessed that my wife is a hundred percent on board with it. And she is absolutely the most low maintenance woman on earth in the best <laughs> possible way. She, um, you know, she knows I'm not going to be there mother's day. So she doesn't bitch about it. She knows I'm going to work late night. She doesn't complain about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the time, and it's kind of cool because a lot of couples get together and they fight all the time and stuff. Well, she and I only get to see each other every once in a while. So we really make that really good time. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think that helps the balance a little bit. <laughs> also the stress I found a completely other hobby in making leather stuff mm-hmm. and that I find that I'm so focused when I'm doing that, that everything else just kind of goes away for a while. Nice. <laughs> and when you spend, like three three more, <laughs> yeah, when you're, when you spend three or four hours working on something in your shop, you realize that you really got a brain break. Yeah. You know, the only thing you thought about for the last four hours was this. Mm. and it it really helps out it, it kind of clears the head sure um yeah. also i i'm an it's avid outdoorsman and i like to hunt and fish and i think being outside really helps me and alone helps me deal with being around people a lot more mm. you know it's kind of like a it's a yin yang kind of a balance where i'm around so many people and in this huge hospitality environment most of the time that I really like to isolate to get the yang part of it yeah Um, I like to go out camping and bushcrafting by myself you know I I like to work in my leather shop by myself and I think honestly for some people it probably wouldn't work but for me isolation from it actually really helps me balance it Sure. Um, you know, yeah, I'm hospitality Michael when I'm at work man I'm hey how you doing oh what's up buddy and when I'm at home dude I've I have neighbors I've lived near for 15 years. I still don't know their name. I'm a hay neighbor because I completely shut that off. And that's how I get the work-life balance. I don't try to be Mr. Hospitality at home. I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty secluded. Um, and that's my work-life balance, that and having a good hobby that can balance out, you know, and unfortunately for me, I try to make money at everything. So I've turned my hobby into a business. So now it's stressful too, but you know, I just can't seem to not try to find ways to make money. Yeah, I I, the, I I see nothing wrong in the side hustle. I I, I honestly I'm inspired by that. I see I, I see you like turning your hobbies into businesses, and that uh, that just you know I'm, I have a podcast, right? Here <laughs> we are. Because because I just I just thought there was some way to like do something with my time other than just sit on a couch and watch TV. You know, right? I have more to give to this world than just being a bartender, right? Absolutely, and there's way you know there's you can only watch reruns of Friends so many times, dude. Yeah. You know? yeah. And what what is the value of memorizing those lines? I mean, it's right. Like, well, it's enjoy for... I can't make any money off that. You know, <laughs> right? unless it's a bet with a friend or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it's good for for uh, um, 
trivia nights and that kind of stuff. But there's a Tony Robbins quote where he's, where he said, I say it all the time on the show, but it says where focus goes, energy flows. It's where, where you put your intention. That's where things are produced. Right. All right. Yeah. So, so the, the, the time, your time spent doing things is what's going to be who you are. Yeah. And so be, be intentional with what you do and you know, how much you do it. Well, yeah. In the course of any given day, I read somewhere we make four to 5,000 different decisions that we're even unaware of. And those decisions guide who you are. So be conscious that you're making those decisions. Yeah. Totally. You know, from, from what way you're going to turn to get to work to what you're going to have for breakfast, it all affects you down the road. Absolutely. You know, if you want to have a good tomorrow, you got to set up for it today. Absolutely. Nissan Plus. Yeah, there you go. Full circle, bro. Full circle. <laughs> there it was, man. Full circle. It all comes back. I think that's the perfect time, honestly, to, to, to drop the last call on you. Um, all right. How are you feeling? I feel great, man. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm a happy guy, man. I, I, yeah. I, I, live, my li- I live my life with, with, uh, with, with positivity, even when it's not there. <laughs> and if it's not there, I can usually find vodka. So we're good. <laughs> tequila. You're a tequila man. Yes. I'm, I am. I'm yeah, you know, I worked at a tequila bar five years, and I, and I found a lot of good friends there. I'm definitely um, a vodka-esque man these days. But today, today I am the vodka guy. Cause that's what I'm shooting here. So I'll do, I do for last call. You got to do a shot, right? All right, man. We'll do one more. Are you up for it? I know you got to work. I, I, the only I am up. Well, do, I do learned, something, shot if you can do I learned something when I was in the Navy uh, that has really guided me the rest of my life. What's that? If you, if you can't do your job, fall down drunk, then you don't know your job well enough. And that was that was one of many lessons I learned in the Navy, but that was definitely one of them. <laughs> um, that's the uh, I like that. <laughs> you, you feel free to use it. Cheers. Words of wisdom. Right, it's it, you know I, I I always give credit where credits due, so you, you, your name will be given to that quote. But that's a great quote. I love All that. right, appreciate it. Let's do it. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers up there. Uh huh. Mm. all right all right well, yeah. we had our shot now my, now michael it's your shot to um share your share your online promos um talk, talk about your projects give shout outs to the things that need shout outs all right um a shout out to val hall brewing in paulsville washington up and coming brewer we make mm-hmm. an amazing norseman ipa that will soon be available on the other side um we're kind of branching out and doing some self-distribution there Awesome. Um, we also are going to try to bring back the axe throwing lanes once this whole thing is over. So if you'd like to get on our axe throwing team, I'm also the coach because that's kind of my thing to play. Nice. I think I only became a chef because I am a pyromaniac with a knife fetish who needed a job where I can swear. The, the, the only job that is fitting for you is, is chef. <laughs> right. And I, so I like to throw axes and play with sharp stuff. So there's that. Um, shout out to Wagon Box Leatherworks. Look us up on Facebook and online, wagonboxleather.com. Um, I make custom leather stuff, holsters. I've made handbags. I've made wallets, um, you know, book covers, journal covers, that kind of thing. And it's all, you know, I don't know. I make it all myself in the garage. <laughs> it, it, it's all beautiful work, honestly. The last one, the last one I saw was, was your dragon sheath. It was like a green. Oh, yeah. Like it was like dragon scale. Yeah, it's really cool. He, he makes some really pretty things. So check them out for sure. Yeah. And then shout out, of course, to the loft in Paulsbo. My the big one we've got 
Um, <laughs> waterfront dining at its finest. And if you come in pretty much any time right now, I'll personally cook your food because I'm usually on the line. <laughs> nice. I'm going to have to head down there to Paulsville. Yeah, please do. You'll have to check out, Bowel, one of these days. check out all the beers. Hell yeah. Um, possibly we have been talking about maybe getting into some distilling. So we'll see what goes from there, man. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows what's, on the menu? what's that? Do you have Modak on the menu? We do not. I actually, um, my business partner and I decided that I was going to kind of take a step away from the bar of this particular mm -hmm. place just to give some other people an opportunity to kind of perfect their skills and learn. Sure. Yeah, um, you're, instead of you're, just you're, having... you're putting someone up on a pedestal for that. Yep, but I can't tell you how many times the bartenders come into the kitchen and ask me old school cocktail recipes. <laughs> <laughs> You're their Google, man. That's awesome. I, I am. I'm kind of their I'm kind of their drink boy. <laughs> I love it. Right on. Sweet. Uh, anything else? I got nothing else, man. That's about it. Perfect. That wraps up one more life from the well. Thanks y'all for listening. Thanks again to Michael Buholz for coming on and sharing all your stories. I very much appreciate it. It's been a good time. Um, really, you guys, this guy's the best, and and he taught me everything I know. And it was really good seeing you, man. It's been so good seeing you talking to you. I, 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 I really miss you, and, and, and I'm happy that we've found time to connect. This is awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, thank you, Kelly, for, for uh, being the producer, the CEO, and the all-around badass of this company. Thanks again to our sponsors, Scratch Distillery and Barfly Mixology Gear. We appreciate our sponsors, without whom this show would be a lot harder to do. And uh, until next time, cheers to you all. We love you and uh, stay safe. Wash your hands, wear a mask. Woohoo. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life from the Well, full of service industry stories and cocktail history. If you like our show and want to know more, check out lifefromthewell.com. Life from the Well would also like to thank our sponsors, Scratch Distillery and Barfly Mixology Gear. Join us next time for another new cocktail and guest.